It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Good morning and welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I am Brenna Thompson, a registered and licensed dietitian, and this show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company specializing in life-changing nutrition education and counseling. Each week, we bring you information on how eating real foods in balance can help to heal your body and boost your metabolism. Joining me this morning is Leah Wetzel, licensed nutritionist. So between the two of us, we yes. see clients in three of our six Twin Cities locations, soon to be seven locations. I know. Isn't that amazing? It is. We're expanding. It's awesome. So I see clients in our Maple Grove and North Oaks office. Leah sees clients in Mendota Heights. So good morning, Leah. Good morning. It's great to be on the show with you today. Uh, we have a really fun show planned for all the listeners today because it's our Ask the Nutritionist. And we invite all of our listeners to call in this morning with their nutrition questions. So give us a call in the studio today at 651-641-1071. And in between callers, Brenna and I will be answering some of our questions we have received via Facebook, Twitter, and email. And you heard that right, that Nutritional Weight and Wellness is now on Twitter. Exciting. You can tweet us. Yes. So our Twitter handle is at NutritionalWW. And we are also on Pinterest and Instagram, too. And that's many thanks to Jackie, who has really helped us develop our social media presence. Because as Leah and I discussed, neither one of us really, yeah. we don't really tweet. We That's don't not really our expertise. Pin. Yes, that right. is not not our area. But it's great to have, you know, sending the message out in many ways. Exactly. Right. Now, if you're new to Dishing Up Nutrition and Nutritional Weight and Wellness, maybe this is the first time that you've tuned in on your Saturday morning, or maybe this is your first podcast. You might be wondering what we do as nutrition counselors. Right. So let's use a client success story to really help explain how this process works. Right. Now, when I first started working with a specific client, she was struggling with fatigue, hot flashes, carb cravings, bloating, hives, and she wanted to lose weight. Right. And we hear stories like this a lot. Yes. Yes. Where people, they come in and they have all these complaints Mm -hmm. and they want to lose weight. Right. Yep. Now, after reviewing her health history, I challenged her to remove gluten from her diet 100%. Right. Because she already knew that it was causing hives, but she was having a really hard time giving it up. Right. Now, since she's very active and teaches several aerobic type classes each week, I helped her create a meal plan that includes more animal protein at her meals and snacks that are quick and convenient for her busy lifestyle. That's interesting. Why animal protein in particular? Well, Leah, as you and I know, um, animal protein is really the most easily digested protein. Right. But for this specific client, she had been following a vegan diet because she thought that it would help her avoid developing cancer, which happens to run in her family. However, this type of diet over many years was no longer supporting her high activity lifestyle. All right. Yeah. So what changes did she notice after removing gluten and increasing her animal protein? Well, within just a few weeks, she noticed that she no longer craved chips and crackers. 
something right. she did not think could was happen. possible. Right. Yeah. Her hives were gone. She awesome. has more energy and she is slowly losing weight. That's great. That is wonderful. Now we are still working on improving her sleep and her hot flashes. Right. But again, this is why we often recommend that clients consistently follow up with us. Right. It's a it's a process of it healing. Is. Yep. It's it's a journey. And usually these these conditions that or symptoms that we see don't happen overnight. These happen and develop over years. So it also takes some time of healing along mm-hmm. that journey too. It really does. Right. What a great story, Brenna. Well, thanks. Yeah, that's great. Yes. Uh, you know, during consults and follow-up visits, most of our clients have lots of questions. Um, so let's jump in and answer some of the ones we've received. And we actually have a caller. Okay. Ready to go. Let's take that caller then. Susan, thanks for calling Dishing Up Nutrition. Do you have a question about sleep supplements? Yes, I do. Um so I was rec- was recommended to me by some of my friends to try valerian root, the pill form for sleep. Okay. And I also recently um, was looking into taking 5-HTP just for sleep and for balancing mood. And, and what- I just wondered what you guys thought of both of those. I did get the valerian root at Mississippi Market, and okay. it smells really bad. <laughs> yeah, it does smell pretty bad. <laughs> and I haven't tried it yet. <laughs> yeah. So what are your what are your issues around sleep? Um, well, it's it's probably some perimenopausal issues, um, falling asleep okay, but then not staying asleep. Okay. And and this so. is, uh, how long has this been going on? Oh, it's a while. I'm in my mid-40s, and I have some other perimenopausal symptoms, so. Okay. And yeah, so I've been taking Benadryl for a while, which yeah. I know is not good to do long-term. Right. And some will say it's just uh, waking up and not getting back to sleep. And when you wake up in the middle of the night, is, are your, is your mind going or what? Yeah. Right. And it's, yeah. it takes a long time to try to fall back to sleep. Or if I do, I only fall back for short periods. And right. I dream. So I'm falling back asleep but not staying asleep. Right. So for sure, I would be trying the 5-HTP. Definitely and the 5-HTP. Because that I can... got the NutriKey and it was 50 milligram dose yep. in one pill. So I would probably bump that up and do 100 milligrams Okay. when At you go to time? bed. Okay. And then the valerian root seems to help people fall asleep. Yes. Um, doesn't okay. necessarily so help, help with, with staying up. up. Okay. But if you're in this perimenopause phase, um, you might try coming in and getting like the progesticy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just a quarter, half a teaspoon of some progesterone cream. Kind Naturally, of rub it yep. into like your wrists, over your thyroid, backs of your knees, these yep. kinds of places right before bed. Okay. Um, I already take the Astrofactor supplement. Great. So the, then what, what Brennan was describing is actually some natural progesterone. The so, cream? Yeah, the cream. Yeah. Yep. So you'd be helping with the estrogen factors. The oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm a regular listener. Good. Okay, <laughs> good, good, good. I try to eat your way too. I mean, yeah, you guys are great. So awesome. that's why I'm calling just to see about these two supplements. And right. Yes. 5-HTP. So the would... is more for relaxing and getting into sleep? Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, you might also try, if you wake up in the middle of the night, try just taking another one to two of the 5-HTP. Okay. And see if that helps get you back to sleep a little faster. Mm-hmm. Well, this is kind of funny. I read a review on Amazon of the 5-HTP, and this woman said, I basically hate everyone. I think society <gasps> as a whole is atrocious. So my therapist recommended that he 5-HTP. <laughs> and she said, and now I can get along with people, and I take 200 milligrams at bedtime. So right. I, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it was and just f- such a straightforward, funny, that's yeah, funny. anyway. Yeah, because yeah, it helps. Pre- it's a precursor for serotonin. So if you're okay. low serotonin, 
Yeah, that might be a the tendency. Might not yeah. be <laughs> your friends. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. And so 200 milligrams would be kind of a high-end dose then? Yeah. It would be higher. So start out with 100 and see how okay. that works for you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Great. You're welcome. Thanks. Okay. Yep. All right. Good. Okay. So question number one from Facebook. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Question number one is how do people lose weight by eating more on the weight and wellness plan? That's a good question, isn't it? It is a good question. <laughs> well, we know that foods support high metabolism. Real foods. Yes. Let's make this clear. Yeah. Real, Real foods, foods yep. support high metabolism, whereas continually cutting calories slows metabolism. Exactly. And right. that's what we see. Yes. Is clients come in and they're eating less. And less. Yeah, low calorie, but they're they're not eating a lot of real proteins like, you know, chicken or, you or know, grass-fed beef. Or this morning I had bacon. Right, or bacon. Yeah, yeah. I had the our turkey breakfast sausages mm-hmm. um, or carbs. So eating real vegetable carbs mostly predominantly yes. for their carb intake instead of crackers or, or cereal. Cereal. Yes. Yep. And fats yeah, are those. vital. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And we also know that eating... These real foods provides better hormone balance yeah. and liver detoxification. Exactly. Which are also very key to losing weight and supporting good metabolism. Right. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Those, that's a great way to answer it. Let's talk about question number two. What are some snack ideas to support energy but do not need refrigeration? That is one that we get quite often. We do. Actually. We do. Yeah. So what snacks, Leah, could we have? Yeah. So what I would say is um, maybe trying some dry roasted nuts and maybe to combining that with one to two tablespoons of dried fruit and I think jerky, Mm -hmm. right? Some good nitrate-free jerky. Exactly. One to two ounces of some good quality nitrate-free, MSG-free jerky. Yeah. You know, we've also started carrying the Epic Bars. In our offices. Right. Those are delicious. They're we've, great. Yeah. We've got the turkey, the bison, and the bacon bars in all of the nutritional weight and wellness offices. Right. Fantastic for travel. They are great. I and take them. Yeah. I on. find when clients, you know, opposed to maybe some other types of protein bars, I find when clients do these more regularly, they mm-hmm. still can make goals, of, especially around weight loss. I find when people do some of the other store-bought processed more protein bars that have a lot of ingredients in them. Yes. Um, they might not be able to lose weight very well. Exactly. Versus the Epic Bars, it's just real food. It's, you know, a couple of seasonings, the right. beef or turkey, maybe some nuts, maybe a little dried fruit in there, but exactly nothing funky. Yep. Everything you would know. Yeah. All right. Now, I think, is it time for it's our break time. first break here? So thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Most people know that a high-protein breakfast supports good energy and focus in the morning. And longtime listeners know that we frequently recommend eating eggs for breakfast. Yes. But what if you don't like eggs? Or maybe you're allergic to eggs. When we come back, Leah will share some examples of high-protein, no-egg breakfasts. If you have questions for us about food or nutrition, give us a call here in studio at 651-641-1071. Don't tell your mother, kiss one another. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Leah Wetzel, licensed nutritionist. To start your day off right, we always recommend clients to include protein with their breakfast. But not everyone can eat eggs, and I am one of those people. Um, so I can totally attest to that. Some clients enjoy topping, you know, a, a bowl of cottage cheese with berries and sunflower seeds for a quick breakfast. 
Now, personally, I uh, enjoy whipping up a protein shake. I do that quite frequently with fresh fruit, coconut milk, and the pure paleo beef protein, which we sell at our offices or online yep. at weightandwellness.com. Yeah, and we've even got that in chocolate now, too. Yeah. Yes. I haven't tried the chocolate. Have you tried it? I have yet? not tried the chocolate okay. yet. No. I'd be interested in trying that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, many mornings, um, I'm kind of with Leah and that I can't do eggs very frequently. Yeah. Um, so many mornings, I start my day with a turkey burger topped with yeah. like an ounce of some goat cheese. This morning, it was bacon and avocado. Right. And then a big side of cooked vegetables. Exactly. And, you know, often what I make up is our turkey breakfast sausage recipe, mm-hmm. which is on our website, too. Yeah. Under our recipes. Um, and Oliver and I will have those with, you know, some veggies in yeah. the morning, which is really great. And nice to have on hand. And, you know, if you struggle with mid-morning cravings, low energy and brain fog, I highly encourage you to eat protein for breakfast. Maybe this sounds like a big challenge for you, but... You know, consider signing up for our weight and wellness series. It's our, you know, it's really our amazing six-week series that's rolled into three days, starting on October 9th at our St. Paul office. You know, not only will you learn about why protein for breakfast is good for you, but also you will learn how it impacts your joints. You know, eating healthy impacts your joints and your moods and your heart health, and yes, your metabolism too. And sign up. Uh, you can call our office at 651-699-3438. You know, another perk for taking this class is that nurses can receive 14.4 continuing education credits. Let me also mention that we are going to feed you, it's always great, delicious snacks like wild rice meatballs and deviled eggs. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's our weekend weight and wellness weekend. series. Yes. Yeah, and that's starting again on October 9th. Right. And it's a nice, you know, condensive view. If you don't have a lot of time to devote to the six-week class, to be able to do it all in one, one weekend. weekend. Yep. Or if you're out of town um, and you wanted to come into town for a weekend and enjoy the sights of mm-hmm. Minneapolis. Minneapolis and St. Yes. Paul, this would be a great opportunity. We've had clients come from all over the country to we come have. take the week, the weekend Weight and Wellness Series here. And October is a perfect time to come because the trees are changing it's colors. It's beautiful. Um, so, Hey, get your girlfriends together, Mm -hmm. get your daughters or your husband or yeah, do it as a group. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Now, during our break, we did have a caller and she wanted to know how much mixed magnesium to give her mom for constipation. Yes. So um, not kind of knowing the severity of the constipation. Um, one suggestion I would have is um, to divide out the mixed magnesium. I'd probably start with 400 milligrams. So it'd be about four, a little over four capsules. Capsules um, yep. uh, would equal a little bit over 400 milligrams of magnesium, and maybe divide it out with you mm-hmm. know throughout the day, four yep. points in the day, um, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then bedtime, mm-hmm. um, and see if that helps with. Kind of moving, moving things along through. Yeah. Yep. Um, but you had another suggestion that I thought was good. I really like using the natural calm, uh, which is just a straight magnesium citrate form. Yep. And again, I usually take that at night or I'll have clients take that, um, you know, in a glass of kind of lukewarm water right. before bed. 
helps with hydration, but it also really helps soften stools. Exactly. So that they too. move through. And if the you know if it's a pretty severe constipation, another thing I might throw on top of the magnesium would be some vitamin C because that can be a really good stool softener as yes. well. And I would usually recommend to do a powder form of it, somewhere between two and four thousand milligrams of that at some point in the day. Um, if things are not improving with yeah. the magnesium. Yep. So good. And I see we do have some other callers. We have quite a few. Okay, so let's, let's get start. To them. Linda, thanks for calling Dishing Up Nutrition. You have a question about kidneys, kidney problems? Yes. Hello. Um, good morning. My mother, who is elderly, she's 85, has been on heart medications since. She was in her 40s, and her kidney levels are showing some problems. And so I'm wondering if there's anything you might advise nutritionally for her. She also takes Coumadin since the, since she was 70 for the last 15 years as well. Okay. Well, not knowing exactly what your mom is eating, I mean, we would definitely say that she needs to eat adequate animal protein. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes people with renal failure or the elderly, yep. they don't eat enough protein. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe are advised of cutting of, back yeah. the protein. But I've worked with a lot of um, even progressive, like stage four, stage five kidney failure, where when we make sure we're eating a healthy, balanced diet with real, you know, real proteins and fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. and healthy fats like butter and olive oil and coconut oil, that things improve. Yes. Yes. Versus what a lot of I see our elderly patients or my grandparents eating is, you know, cereal, toast, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of cookies, crackers, Mm -hmm. pastas. Um, So moving her away from those. Mm -hmm. And yes, doing more veggies. The thing with Coumadin is to have her doctor, um, you know, just watch her INR for labs, um, but let her eat some of those leafy green vegetables as she pleases. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you just have to be consistent with it. Yep. Um, If you're consistent with the amount of vitamin K you're getting in, then then it it doesn't really cause any problems with the cumin. You know, she's in an area where she isn't able to get, it's a rural area, and she isn't able to get real clean foods is what I call them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's an issue as well. So that is a challenge. I don't, um, yeah. right off the bat, I don't know that I have a great answer for you, but kidney-wise, as much as she can, you know, if even doing more canned vegetables mm-hmm. would be... Or frozen. Or some frozen get, get ones. a bunch of frozen vegetables. Yes. Yeah. I would do that, you know, get her some frozen meats so that she can have more real foods on hand. Right. 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 Yeah. When I'm, when I, when I'm talking about foods that aren't toxic, that are raised organically, that's... She just can't get those. Right. And I would say just even... That's not the right. I wouldn't issue worry right about now. that. I would just worry about that she's eating more the real foods, even if they're not organic. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm working on her. Good okay. For you. Good. Good for And hydration, making sure she keeps hydrated. Oh, that yep. is an issue for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Huge. All right. Well, thanks well, thank for the you. call. Yep. All right. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. So we've got another caller we coming do. up here. Okay. Thanks for calling Dishing Up Nutrition. You have a question about nutrition for teenagers. Challenging. I do. Good morning. Hi. Um, I have a household of teenagers, and I'm wondering if you can offer some pointers on good eating for them. Yeah. Because they um, would rather eat pancakes and lots of sweet things. Right. I think they, as far as 
one of, one of the best things I find working with teenagers is they have to find that internal motivation for why they need to eat healthy. And so I often tie to um, if they're in sports yep. and they want, you know, if, they're, if they have goals around being good at basketball or baseball and how much that can play a role mm-hmm. by the, the way that they eat. Um, if they're more motivated, maybe by, you know, if they're struggling with acne, yes, then helping them to realize Vanity. that things like sugar, processed foods cause acne, that's a motivator. Um, but then coming up with just some alternatives. So instead of the, you know, all the pancakes and such, yes. um, I think, um, you know, if you can make more of like, you know, a homemade pancake, maybe made with some mashed bananas and eggs and a little coconut flour yeah. in it, or instead of p- bananas, this time of year, pumpkin, yes. some canned pumpkin in there, just mm-hmm. blend it all up in a blender and fry it like regular pancakes. Yeah. That would be and a sm- good option. Smoothies are good for teenagers, too, because yes. they're kind of like grab and go. Um, don't tend to spend a lot of time or give a lot of time for breakfast in the morning. Mm-hmm. So having some of those options for them, I think, is good. And we have a nutrition for young adults class that I really like that um, I'll send clients to. It's it's tailored for them um, and not for parents. Um, so that but parents are more than welcome. To yes, come. they're more than welcome <laughs> to come. But it's to send the message, you know, trying to hit it home for them of. Why they need to make this of importance um, for their health um, and connecting some of the dots of hidden sugar and stuff like that. Um, can can you give us some suggestions on what they might choose when they go through the lunch line at school or when they are in a hurry during their school day? We can do that when we come back from break. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> we'll give you. Yeah. We'll give you a couple little ideas there. Thank so, you. Thank Great. you. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Many people think they eat enough protein. Maybe you've been told that beans, lentils, nuts, and whole grains are good sources of protein, just like my client did. But when we come back from break, not only will we give some good high school lunch ideas, but Leah's also going to discuss why eating animal protein is so important, and we're going to help you determine how much protein is right for you. But again, if you've got questions for us today, give us a call here in studio at 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Brennan and I have been answering questions, great questions today. And one that I frequently hear from clients is, I thought beans, nuts, and quinoa had protein in them. Many plant foods do contain some protein, but the majority of it is not well absorbed by our body. And when we compare a half a cup of black beans that contains about four grams of protein with four ounces of chicken, which contains more like 28 grams of protein, that's really a big difference. It's a huge difference. Yeah. And that four ounces of cooked meat is about the right amount for most women to need for their meals. And men, probably a little bit more, like six, five to six ounces, I yep. would say, for most men. Yes. So, Leah, you would recommend that men and women eat four to six ounces of animal protein at least three times a day. Correct. Yes, that's the minimum. At least four to six ounces of cooked animal protein three times a day. But many of our clients also need, with their snacks, they need a couple, one to two ounces of animal protein between their meals to, to support their metabolism, their brain, and really noticeable difference with cravings. Yes. So, I mean, that would even include things like cheese or cottage cheese or yogurt. Um, right. You know, eggs, of course. So yep. if you have somebody who doesn't um, necessarily eat like a lot of beef or chicken or pork, um, you know, oh, tuna, salmon, 
Yep. Those are and be- then too, you can substitute in uh, with quality protein powders mm-hmm. for protein shakes. Which was a question that we had today was that, um, you know, is protein powder safe for toddlers? Yes. That and was we- one of the, the Facebook questions that yep. came through, right? And you kind of answered it already. Right. I did. Yeah. So yes. Yes. Uh, protein powder is safe for toddlers. I give it to my son. Mm-hmm. Um, the big question would be quality. Yep. Uh, you want to make sure that it's a, if you're doing a whey protein, it's sweetened naturally. Um, not with aspartame right, or, or sucralose. sucralose, Splenda. Right. Yeah. There's yep. not a lot of additives or fillers. We have great protein powder. Um, we sell at our offices. Um, yes. our, our Wellness Way Natural is one mm-hmm. of my favorites. And yeah, the, the whey protein, we had talked about the pure paleo beef protein. Right. And egg white protein would be another complete yes. source. I also like our pea protein. Right. Is a good one to throw in there too. And the only question I would say additionally for the toddler, if, if they have sensitivities to dairy or to eggs, then I would be avoiding maybe the potentially avoiding the whey protein or the egg white protein. But mm-hmm. we have the pure paleo or the pea protein as options. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so our caller before we went to break had asked, you know, lunch ideas for high schoolers. Yes. It's kind of hard because, you know, depending upon where they go to school, school district, what their options are. But we kind of came up with, you know, if looking ahead at the menu, if they can get chili or like a chicken and rice soup would be a couple of good options. If they do have some good options for entrees on the hot bar, like an actual vegetable, maybe a Mm -hmm. little bit of potato and real chicken, um, probably not better options. Yeah, probably not happen every day, but um, I would go for that. Or if they do have also a salad bar. Mm I steer kids towards that. Yes. You know, um, or, you know, sometimes in my high school, it would switch out and it might be like a taco bar. Right. So they can get lots of meat. Exactly. You could do like bar. a taco salad. Yeah. Um, once a week, my high school would do a potato bar. So you could do a potato with a whole bunch of, again, they would have like some kind of a meat or something and exactly. some cheese and sour cream that they could put on there. Exactly. So. And ideally mixing that in too, maybe with some lunches from home, if yes. possible, then yep. they don't have to have that as their option every day. Right. Yes. Now, another question that we had from Facebook, uh, what are some real gluten-free complex carbohydrates? Great question. So any whole fruit, whole vegetable, or whole unprocessed gluten-free grain would be considered a complex carbohydrate. And I think sometimes what people are asking for with this is like, what are some starchier right. carbohydrates is really what they're asking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, those gluten free grains like rice, quinoa, buckwheat, um, your starchier vegetables, potatoes, carrots, parsnips, peas, um, you know, a starchier fruit might be something right. like a banana. Yeah. Pumpkin we talked about earlier. Pumpkin, yeah. Love pumpkin. Yep. Uh, so great. We have lots of callers. Yeah. Let's, let's take another in. one. Let's get into it. So, um, <laughs> can't that. decide. Cindy, thanks for calling Dishing Up Nutrition. You have a question about hyperthyroid and vegetables. Um, hypothyroid. Oh, hypo. hypo. Okay. 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 Yep. Um, I've read that eating cruciferous vegetables yes. can cause difficulties. Um, I'm wondering what, what you know about that. So, this, um, I think sometimes it gets a little, I don't want to say blown out of proportion, but those cruciferous vegetables, yes, they can be considered what they call goitrogens, where it might block iodine absorption to the thyroid. But you have to be eating like 
cups and yes. cups and cups of particularly raw cruciferous like mm-hmm. cabbage and Brussels sprouts and broccoli and spinach. Um, and cooking denatures those properties or breaks down those properties um, yes. so they become less squatogenic. Yeah. Um, you know, this kind of, I guess, is, does that kind of answer your question on that? Sure. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. Right. So yeah, I I really I have a lot of clients that have hypothyroid that can definitely include the cruciferous because they do have a lot of other healthy benefits. Yep. Um. You know, I, I you know, it would be in loads of you know nine ten like, cups you'd be eating in a day potentially raw and that's yeah. kind of rare. Not a lot of people are doing that. Yes. Uh, so most people it's totally fine to mm-hmm. have. Yep. yep. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank, Thank you. you. And that actually kind of ties in with one of our other Facebook questions. Uh, Somebody wanted to know if there were foods that they should avoid eating if they were taking Synthroid, also known as levothyroxine, the medication taken by people who have low thyroid function. And again, our biggest recommendation is to make sure that you are taking that Synthroid or Levo a good 60 minutes away from food. Like first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And then... Um, Dar had even made the suggestion sometimes she says she has clients who have very poor digestion that don't absorb well. She may actually have them crush their capsule. Sure. Just to improve digestion and absorption of it. Right. And I think if you give it that window of time, then it's okay to consume um, some of the foods of concern. You know, usually they say like one to two hours away from high calcium foods. Like milk. Milk. Um... You know, and also soy mm-hmm. and, for, you know, fortified juices, which we we don't want to be drinking a lot of anyway. And then high fiber, yeah. high soluble fiber, flax, chia, beans. Yes. Um, and if you're following those guidelines, it's again, yeah, you're fine to consume all those foods. It's just you want to give that window of time. Yes. Away. So good question. All right. We have another caller here. Penny, thanks for calling Dishing Up Nutrition. You have a question about foods for teen athletes. Yes. Yes. Um, my granddaughter is a swimmer, and she hesitates to eat much during the day before a swim meet. And I wonder if you have some suggestions for her for the day of a meet. They start the night before with a carbo load. The pizza or the, the big pasta, pasta, pasta. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm always saying you've got to have protein. you got to have some protein. And she really hesitates to have any food in her stomach after lunch before a meet. So, and she has the added um, thing that she is allergic to nuts. So, what would you suggest starting with her breakfast the day of a meet? How to pace herself so she has energy? Well, having been a cross country runner in high school and part of college, mm-hmm. you know, I can definitely relate in not wanting yeah. to have a lot on her stomach before that meat. So I think, you know, the morning of doing a smoothie, mm-hmm. having eggs, um, you know, or any other kind of protein that she really likes, get her going with that in the morning for lunch. She might try a lighter lunch. It doesn't have to be real heavy, but something like some deli meat rolled up with a little cream cheese. Right. You could do that in a lettuce wrap or uh-huh. um, some kind of, a, you know, another kind of a wrap. So she gets a little carbohydrate in there. And it would be easy for her to take to school some uh-huh. veggies, maybe some hummus to go with it. Right. And yeah. I think, you know, if she has that for lunch. If she's, you know, kind of nervous before the meat, doesn't really want to eat, like, she's going to be okay. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. And I have heard some kids do a glucose pack to give them that extra surge. Is that anything that 
valid? Um, I don't necessarily see that as being necessary. You know, if she's swimming the shorter distances, she will be fine. If she's doing a longer distance, she might try doing something that's got a little carbohydrate before her race. You know, even some fruit, like a banana. Oh, okay. Or maybe like right. a fourth of a protein shake, too. Yeah. With some, like, coconut milk, which really can help for sustain energy for long. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks You're for welcome. Okay. We got to go to our last right. break already. Right. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Brenna Thompson, registered and licensed dietitian. At the beginning of today's show, I discussed how a client of mine had been eating a vegan diet for many years because she thought it would help her prevent cancer. But what does the research say? Does eating meat, especially red meat, cause cancer? The answer isn't always simple, but when we come back, Leah and I will try to clear up some of the confusion surrounding this topic and continue to answer your questions. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Leah Wetzel, licensed nutritionist. I'm here with Brenna Thompson, registered and licensed dietitian. Here's a big question we often hear from clients. Does red meat cause cancer? You know, thanks to some great research reviewed by Dr. Sarah Valentine. Valentine, we now know that while certain compounds found in red meat do increase the risk of certain cancers, eating a diet high in vegetable carbohydrates with our meat may negate that risk. What do I mean when I say a high diet in vegetable carbohydrates? What I'm saying is uh, a minimum of five cups of vegetables each day but consuming 9 to 11 is best, right? Right. So what we're saying, again, is yes, we can have our steak. Mm-hmm. Ryan and I had steak last night. Right. But we have it regularly, too. Yeah. We had a whole bunch of cauliflower and peppers right. and cucumbers to go with it. And I you know, try to choose two really quality meats, like grass-fed, mm-hmm. yes. um, which I also believe can make a difference. So cooked broccoli is great at breakfast. I often have that or cauliflower, what I had today, uh, raw carrots, celery, and, and cauliflower dipped in hummus at lunch. And a big salad with dinner will be really get you right there. Yes. So yeah. lots of vegetables with your meat. Right. And that can reduce the risk of cancer. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so I just wanted to do a little shout out too to a client mm-hmm. that I met with yesterday, Catherine. Um, I wanted to talk about her good report. Um, she's been working diligently since May to help to reduce her blood sugars and help with her cholesterol. Um, and uh, she's been working really hard and sticking to a balanced diet with lots of vegetables and healthy meats and fats and not eating gluten, dairy, or sugar, which has been hard for her. Yeah. But the payoff is I met with her yesterday, and at the high point, her her A1C, which is the average of your blood sugar for three months, Mm -hmm. um, was about 7.3, and now it's 5.7. That's amazing. Which is great. Technically a non-diabetic number. Exactly. Yeah. And also she was on a a statin medication for cholesterol because she had really high triglycerides. Um, They were 353 at one high point and now they're 80. Which is awesome. Right. So she's totally normal. Going to go back in the doctor probably able. She's got off of a diabetic medication and now too probably going to get off her statin medication. Fantastic. So all these testaments of, of real food, as you gave examples mm-hmm. early of your client and of Catherine's story, too. Yeah. Of why real food really makes a difference. So let's get back into some caller questions. Sounds like a good idea. 
Heather, thanks for calling Dishing Up Nutrition. you have a question about oral health? I do. I don't hear much about that, but I'm 51 and physically in really good shape, exercise, um, pretty much watching what I eat, but I know I'm lacking. <laughs> I'm probably not eating what I should be eating, um, but I try to not eat a lot of junk. <laughs> but my teeth are, um, I get a lot of buildup, and I just, my teeth are not in good shape, like my body, if you will. So what can I do to help uh, my oral health, I guess? Is it, you know, with your gums, is it some gum, like, disease? You know what? I think I am dealing a little bit with that. Sure. I, I, I've I got more, let's put it this way, dental visits I'm going to have to be making um, to work on that. But I know there's a lot of gum receding sure. and just build up on the back, bottom, lower teeth. Um, yeah, and they they said that has to do with minerals, and some people just, get more of that than others and i mean well, i brush I regularly and floss but yeah you know um the things that i've heard is that potentially supplementing with some magnesium and calcium mm -hmm. can help decrease some of that buildup and okay. supports teeth health right um you know especially if you're dealing with some gingivitis more of like an infection mm -hmm. type of thing going on then we might recommend using our liquid advantage right you do some is a yeah it's a liquid grapefruit seed extract but putting that on your toothbrush when you brush or right after you brush and getting that on your gums mm -hmm. can really help with that inflammation in there um and coq10 okay. is really good for gum health so sometimes yep. when i have clients that have a long history of um gum inflammation i have them take at least 200 milligrams of coq10 mm -hmm. um vitamin c vitamin c is really really helpful and then no sugar and no processed carbs. Right. Okay. Right. And the other thing, and this is um, for kind of try to help with the remineralization of your gum or of your uh, for your teeth would be something you can look up. It's called oil pulling um, mm -hmm. using coconut oil, which you swish around in your mouth um, for about 20 minutes or so first thing in the morning. And then you you would spit that into the garbage. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't swallow it. Spit or, it yeah. out. Don't, yeah, you spit yeah. it out. Mm -hmm. So I've look that up. That. Right. How, yep. how much uh, magnesium and calcium would you recommend for my age? Probably, you know, most of the time we recommend about 400 milligrams of the magnesium mm -hmm. and then maybe like 800 milligrams of calcium. Okay. Yeah. And then the liquid advantage, um, that's at your office. And what was the other, the OQ10? The code Q10, coenzyme Q10. Oh, got it. Yep. Yep. And, okay. And then can can you get this stuff like at a regular um, a pharmacy or go through you guys? Can I go to a health food, like Whole Foods, yeah. and get that? Well, if stuff? you're in the Twin Cities location, I would highly recommend you come to one of our offices. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so our, yeah. we have really good stuff at our offices, and also it would I would if you're not going to go through us, I would go to a co-op or. Yeah, Whole Foods would have some oh. good options, too. And then how much, um, sorry, milligrams vitamin C would you recommend? Oh, 1,000, yeah. 2,000. Okay, okay. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks. You're welcome. Great. Thank you for the great call. So we might have time for one more caller. Okay, let's try and fit them in. Chris, 
Thanks for calling Dishing Up Nutrition. You have a question about too much kefir? Yeah, I'll just keep it really brief. Yes. I know you're on a time crunch yeah. here. Um, I, I have kefir in my protein shake every morning. I, I make my own kefir, and I'm just wondering if, if, if can I have too much kefir in my body? As long as you feel good eating it, you can have as much kefir as you want. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, there's no such thing as getting too much of that good bacteria in your gut. No. If you're getting too much, you get some loose stool. Like your body would be flushing. You'd notice there would be some effect, but it's really difficult to overdo it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we think um, about people from Poland mm-hmm. would be eating a quart of yogurt a day. Right. Um, yeah. You know, my husband eats like two to three cups of yogurt a day. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Okay. That was my question. Thank you. Great. Thanks for calling. Yep. Bye. All right. I think we have like just a minute here. Yes. All right. We have a listener question from Facebook. Again, she wanted to know why she has puffy eyes in the morning, even after eating gluten, dairy, soy, and sugar-free for over a year. This is a big question. It is a big question. (laughs) We'll do our best. Yeah. So it could be an environmental allergen, like maybe having your windows open at night with pollen coming in. And I'm assuming that since it's in the morning, like that it subsides during the day. And mm-hmm. I, that's kind of where I was going with it, too. I wonder if it's in something in her environment where right. she's sleeping at night. I thought environmental or molds, too. Yeah. Sometimes that's a thing to a lot of houses, unfortunately, have, have mold. And if you have a mold allergy, mm-hmm. it can show up, yes. um, you know, preventing your body from fully healing from yeah. A sensitivity so i'd also maybe look at laundry detergent um perhaps you know when it's on your clothes you're okay but with your face being on a pillowcase yes. at night that's a good question could be an irritant too right that's all we've got yes you know great ask the nutritionist yes so nice great to see you leah yeah. yeah you too all right everybody have a great weekend bye I love you all is Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.